welcome to episode 350 of the Steel Cage Podcast. My name is Derek Montilla, occasionally known as the Mayor of Reseda, California, and we have ourselves a two-man pod this week to talk about all the news and nonsense in wrestling. Joining me from the Marty Jannetty Memorial Podcast Studio in Phoenix, Arizona, the founder and proprietor of thesteelcage.com, Mr. Joshua Schlag. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. It's been kind of a fun week in wrestling. It's been yeah. a really fun week in wrestling for me. Dude, tell me about it. I mean, literally, tell me about it. I I yes. saw the I saw the picture, um, Daniel Bryan here in Phoenix, and and you were right there with him. Yes, that was amazing. Like, first, let me tell you that this was my final game of working six games in a row, and the final three games that I worked, I worked eighteen-hour days essentially, because I have a normal eight-hour day job, so I had to go to that. And then I had to immediately leave there and go to the ballpark to cover the baseball game. And the baseball game is not only the game itself, but it is the press conference for the manager that usually starts about three hours before the game starts. Um, so these were very, very long days, the, the, the final stretch, just to say the least. And, you know, it's kind of like any job. It got to the point where, I, I, like on, on, on Tuesday, I was drained. I didn't even want to be at the ballpark. I didn't want to be in the press box. I just got up and went for a walk around for a little while. Like I was like an old senile man because I have had such little sleep that I was just not even thinking clearly. I just walked around and then I get an email on Tuesday reminding me that on Wednesday, WWE superstar Daniel Bryan is going to be throwing out the first pitch at the baseball game. And I felt myself filled up with the power of the yes movement like i immediately was rejuvenated by this new information and was more excited about anything like daniel Bryan, on a personal level daniel Bryan is my favorite wrestler i mean I, I i come i've come to terms with that at least right now of active wrestlers there's a few guys i put up there and a couple of them i get to see regularly and kind of even pal around with i, I put drew mcintyre up there as one of my favorite wrestlers because he's also one of my favorite people uh, i'd put pentagon up there as one of my favorite wrestlers you know just guys it's, it's random it's weird but they're guys that i just fucking if you if i saw these guys like here in town no matter what i'd go see them and pay whatever um but there is a uh something special about Daniel Bryan. You know, he's one of the few WWE guys that I legitimately uh, popped for. So um, he he being there was, you know, a really, really big deal to me. It really was. And I know for most wrestling fans, it would be. But to yeah. most, you know, most people in the press bo box, it, it was not a big deal at all. And that's, what, that's one of those things to me that was so shocking was how many times I had to tell people who Daniel Bryan was. <laughs> It almost became offensive to me at one point. I'm like, Jesus Christ, he won the championship yeah. at WrestleMania, people. Like, I understand not knowing our truth or some of the guys on 205 Live. But Daniel Bryan, how does everybody not know who Daniel Bryan is, right? I mean, yeah. just between Total Bellas and everything. I mean, I don't I, know, just everything he does. I but. know I know all of my non wrestling fans know, but that's probably just because I couldn't can't stop talking about him so <laughs> yeah i mean that that's kind of what it is for me so i was like an ambassador and i'll tell you this much i know for a fact that normally the arizona diamondbacks do a much better job at keeping me away from the celebrities and whatnot that are there it's not like i'm saying i'm i'm, I'm as interested in any of those as i am in daniel bryan 
but like I've been down to take pictures of people and such, and I've been told to stay, stay over here, watch out, you know, let him. He's got stuff to do. Yeah, he'll come talk to you guys later, whatever. There was none of that on Wednesday when Daniel Bryan, because he came out and he took batting practice with the team, and then he shagged some fly balls, and then he threw out the first pitch. And I appreciate how much the Diamondbacks, A, know I'm a wrestling fan and knew I was going to be a fanboy about this, and B, just let me. (laughs) They just let me. At one point, I went over and asked if I could go give him Danny's shirt. So we have the infamous team friendship shirt yes uh, des- design if you will it started off for a design for years that danny made his famous watercolor painting of daniel bryan and kane holding hands in front of a rainbow it's a spectacular spectacular design that josh thoughtfully made into a limited number of shirts for us so that we could all have one and i never got a chance to wear mine because i just picked it up from josh the other day and when i realized i was getting the chance to meet daniel bryan i had made a firm decision that i needed to give him the shirt that's good um, because I, I saw the picture and I was worried that it had Derek Montia funk on it, but it, it was still nice and clean, huh? It was still nice and clean. No, I didn't wear it once. Didn't even put it on yet. It's <laughs> uh, good. So there was there was no there was no funk on it other than my tears of joy after our interaction. Uh, but I gave him the shirt and I introduced myself. The Diamondbacks PR person actually said, uh, much to my surprise, you know, hey, can you do a quick interview with Derek? And I was like, I didn't know I was going to get interview time. So I totally abused my interview time as just personal chatting time with Daniel Bryan. Uh, but, hey, I'm using it on this podcast, so now it qualifies as actual journalism. So I, I guess in the end I win. Uh, uh, but I won anyway. It doesn't matter. There's no, there's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, but anyway, so I go over to him and I give him, you know, I introduce myself and I tell him I work for a wrestling website. And he kind of laughs about that. And I'm like, yeah, no. And he goes, no, I appreciate you guys. And uh, that right there was just like, woo, I know that's just an answer you're giving me, but I'm already on cloud nine. So I tell him, like, hey, we have the shirt design we made. We never actually, like, sold it, but we just made them for us. And it was from your time with Kane. Um, You know, and I showed it to him. And he's like, ah, we were going to do a design like this when we were going to be Team Friendship, similar to this. And inside, my heart exploded. Because as most of our listeners know... We are team friendship guys. I don't think we even called them team hell no when that decision was made. I, never, I think we were never we we refused to. We were just team friendship guys. So for him to say that, my heart exploded and melted inside. Um, and then we talked a little bit, and I told him that we here on the podcast were team friendship guys. And he professed to me that he too was a team friendship guy. Man. And then we fucking high-fived. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. And then we took a picture. Oh, um, I love it. Other interesting facts is that Daniel Bryan does not have time to watch sports. So despite him having allegiance, he really says it's, you know, it's hard for him now to keep up on it and he hasn't really, you know, kept up on sports much. Uh, but one thing I did find is he talked, you know, MMA that he watches MMA. Uh, for you know like learning purposes and such so that's that's very cool to me you know Um, just to see that he's still kind of I don't know a student and we you know I'm like yeah it's your profession it makes sense you know like I totally get that because you you know you're you're a wrestler so you're gonna keep up on wrestling but you kind of want to watch the actual combat sport version of what you do versus what what you do you know so but yeah it was just an amazing interaction I had to answer the question 
um, about Daniel Bryan's size like 20 times yesterday. Every single person that wasn't a wrestling fan had to ask me why that guy was special considering he was so small. Yeah. Uh, each and every time I got a little bit angrier about it. Uh, but yeah, I, I, <laughs> I, you about I, ready I to, about ready to punch Luis Gonzalez in the face. No, Luis Gonzalez was all about Daniel Bryan. Okay. Uh, they were having a very like energetic, excited conversation. The person <laughs> who I found to be the most amazing reaction to Daniel Bryan was Randy Johnson. Now, just briefly, I was telling Josh this before the podcast. I have to express to you that I I I can't think of two human beings that I've rooted harder for than these two guys. Like legitimately. Maybe Steve totally. Nash. Maybe Steve Nash would be up there. Um maybe Stone Cold on the wrestling side. Um I don't know many others that I could say would fit in that exclusive group just for me personally. Because of the time frame that these people were in, uh, when when I was into sports, my age, uh, the fact they were local stars that led our teams in such a significant way, like Randy Johnson, I loved Randy Johnson. I loved everything about him, from the fact that he was this like asshole when he pitched because he was just super focused into being this amazing pitcher, to mm-hmm. you know the fact that he secretly had this love for photography and playing drums and and everything about him. The guy fascinates me. And like to just to see Randy Johnson meeting Daniel Bryan before my very eyes felt like an absolute dream come true. Like it, it was crazy how much of an experience that was for me. Like I joke a lot. I'm, I'm an I'm an excitable guy, and I joke a lot on Twitter. I use a lot of capitals and freak out a lot when people give me answers. <laughs> but I'm gonna get you guys let you guys in on it's secret time. Secret time. I'm not really as excited as I'm pretending I am on Twitter a lot of times. But when it came to this moment. I literally felt like one of those girls that you would see on the videos when the Beatles were getting off of a plane and they were like crying and fanning themselves because they were just so overwhelmed by the emotion (laughs) of seeing these people in front of their face. Like that was me, but I was keeping it inside. I'm a professional. So all of that I keep inside and I don't actually cry, but I felt like crying because that's how magical of a moment that was for me. I mean, Luis Gonzalez brings Randy Johnson over, and he was obviously building him up. He was obviously building Daniel Bryan up to Randy Johnson. Because as Randy Johnson comes out on the field and looks to his left, the first thing he turns back and says to Luis Gonzalez with almost a disgust is, this guy, the little guy with the beard? <laughs> and I was just like, he was so disgusted Sounds by Sounds like it. Vince McMahon. Oh, he absolutely sounded like Vince McMahon. <laughs> It sounded comical, right? So then he goes up to Daniel Bryan, and I got to see, I got to see on Daniel Bryan's face how I felt looking at them, because Daniel Bryan is as big of a fan of Randy Johnson as I am of Randy Johnson, or I am of Daniel Bryan. So it was like this weird fanboy moment of me fanboying out watching them two, and Daniel Bryan fanboying out at meeting Randy Johnson. <laughs> And Randy Johnson just being really confused. Oh, and Randy Johnson deadpanning the shit out of him because he goes up to shake his hand and he goes, he goes, great to meet you, sir. I was a huge fan of the Mariners. And Randy Johnson responds with was, why aren't you anymore? And I was just (laughs) like, oh my God, did he just say that? (laughs) 
oh, it was so great. Uh, and then, like, you kind of laughed with them, and they had a good laugh, and they talked about a few other things, and they took a picture together, and it was just all surreal. Also, I will say that I watch, I don't know, at least 30 to 40 uh, first pitches, ceremonial first pitches before a game, and I would say maybe 10% of them actually look like real pitch. Aside from the slowness of the pitch, Daniel Bryan's pitch went across the plate and was a strike. Was, in fact, a strike. Hey. So, and he threw it from the mound, so good for him, man. He nailed it. it uh, overall, it was just it was an amazing experience. He was just super cool to everybody. Uh, Baxter was pretending like he was going to fight him. There was just <laughs> so much so much amazingness that went on with that. Uh, but, I mean, and and uh, then the Diamondbacks won. Oh, and then the Diamondbacks helped knock the Dodgers out of first place in the NL West. Potentially, was, let's let's push the Dodgers all the way out at this point. Yeah, that's that would be, that would be fun. <laughs> get the uh, yeah, get the Cardinals a, in there. Yeah, no shit. It was it was a magical night though. It was really cool and uh, that's cool. like like I don't know. It, there's there's definitely something special still about meeting somebody that you personally are a huge fan of, um, and then they turn out to be like super just kind to everybody else that you're, you know, everybody else they're interacting with and everything like that. It was awesome. No, I, I, you know, I don't expect much less out of Daniel Bryan, but again, you never know, especially with a continued amount of success when celebrities are going to start acting like celebrities. So it was just really cool to see him uh, just so having so much fun out there and, and having such a good time about being invited out. You know, it's WWE, man. Like they are ambassadors of the E when they're out there doing their thing. Even even guys like The Miz who can be pretty awesome in that sort of scenario. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And interestingly enough, I met his WWE like correspondents that were there with him. They were awesome. They were really cool. Like, cool. They, they they asked me what the name of our website was and told me they were going to check it out and all of this other stuff. And I was shocked by that. And I'm sure it was probably just blowing smoke. But for yeah. the most part, if they're listening right now. Bless you, people. Indeed. And what you do. And thank you for bringing Daniel Bryan to me. Cool. Anyway. <sighs> all right. Well, that about does it for this week's episode. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> that, thanks, guys, so much for listening to episode 350. It's, it's very self-serving, but that's definitely the most exciting thing to happen around here. Oh, um, it was for me, man. I can't get over – you know, it's like I just – I don't know. I, I, I'd put it up there with some of our meetings of people like PWG and such just because of the fact that it was personal in a way that you can't even get when you spend like $150 to meet him at a con or something. You yeah, know, like, totally. It was just it – was, it was something I'll never forget. Yeah. Um. So, I, I appreciate you guys for filling in in my absence last week, uh, preparing for a more extended absence coming up with uh, my wedding and all that stuff. But uh, I, still I, doing I, that, huh? Huh? You're still doing that? Oh, yeah. You're still getting oh, married? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because yeah. I spent a lot of money on a suit for your wedding, so I wanted to make sure. <laughs> Why does everybody keep saying stuff like that? I'm just making sure, man. I'm, <sighs> making... I'm going to say publicly... That you and your fiance are two of the most perfect people for each other, uh, and I wish you guys the best. Not to get too <laughs> sappy, but I mean that Thank because you. we're talking about you guys just planning a wedding, and a lot of people that have been married or have gone through a wedding that are listening to this can attest to this. If you're able to have a good time creating a seating chart for your wedding because you guys are looking at it like a puzzle and, and able to laugh about it and even when it's hard to figure out, 
uh, I think you guys are gonna do well because that's that right there is a is a test of your relationship in itself. And we see the past. We we gave each other high fives at the end, and then like we looked <laughs> down and we realized that like two people didn't have spaces, like they didn't have seats. And it, it was like when you're doing a puzzle and like there's like a piece missing and yeah. you can't complete it. Like that's where we're at right now. So we're or, still figuring or, that out. But you're doing a model and you have three extra pieces and you're like, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> where did we miss these guys? Going? Well, those you could just throw away. Yeah, uh, but if you're, if you're missing a piece, yeah, we, yeah, we still got to figure that out. But uh, no, I appreciate you saying that, uh, especially in, in this forum, because I'm not going to give you a microphone on my wedding night. So God yeah. damn it. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> I knew you wouldn't trust me. All right. Well, maybe next time. Uh, uh, but yeah, anyway, so I, I kind of caught up on some Raw and SmackDown from last week. Um, but, uh, definitely listened to the podcast and didn't sound like I missed too, too much. It's a lot of, a lot of build to that Australian show, which we'll talk about a little bit. I think we'll talk a little bit more about that show next week. Um, but I kind of want to just focus on like, Watching this week's episodes of Raw and SmackDown, uh, there was, like, a lot of fun storytelling elements, like, just all throughout. Like, it, it feels like a, a different show um, than all those weeks and months that we would complain about various things. Frankly, both of them, Raw and SmackDown. Like, a lot of just ridiculousness, a lot of storytelling, a lot of development. Uh, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, case in point... All the ridiculous bullshit that kicked off SmackDown Live, like I was, like I legitimately, I had it on in the background at work, and like I had to stop and take my laptop into like a side room so I could watch it and laugh about it, like yeah, loudly because it was ridiculous. ridiculous. Our Truth and Carmella with Truth TV, uh, may it rest (laughs) in peace. I'm gonna miss it. Seven seconds of dancing. one of All the of best shows on SmackDown history. Uh, like, and, and just the fact that they had that, and then they turned it into a I, match. Well, like they, yeah, I like that he brought Daniel Bryan out and blatantly said it was for the cheers from the crowd. You know, that part about it made me laugh. <laughs> like, everything about our truth I don't know if you caught the Mixed Match Challenge commercial where he said him and Carmella are going to be fighting in a, a hell in a cell. <laughs> No. I think Carmella had to be like, no, we're not fighting each other in a hell in a cell. We're fighting, I think it's Miz and Asuka. And he's like, oh, fine, but we're going to fight Miz and Asuka in a hell in a cell. And it's like, <laughs> like our truth is so, I, I don't understand it, but he, he's almost on a PCO level of resurgence for me because he's just, like, it's all the years of his comedic shtick, but, like, it's really found, it's, re- it's really funny. And, and, like, he mixes it with the fact that he's, like, so fucking scatterbrained and then it works well with the fact that he's like one of the oldest people on smackdown now yeah. you know what I mean? like everything about it is just it's gold it's perfect dude it's he's so he's super entertaining and like i i can you could go back through the archives of this podcast and hear us talking oh boy here it was another r-truth segment and just kind of yeah. skating past it but god he's he's yeah he's nailing it these days um, it makes you wonder if he had like an extended absence or something not something that kept him out but just something that because he didn't wrestle for so long and like now didn't he came it, back, he's in such good shape, and he's, oh, he's nailing in ridiculous it. shape. Yeah. Um, did yeah. it? Did he just kind of just run the house show circuit for the most part for the longest I, time? I I honestly don't know. I, think I just that was mean, his thing. I just mean before you know the last 
you know, six months. I don't remember seeing him for quite a while at all. Like, Like, not even in funny bits. He'd pop up every once in a while, but not really significant. And I just wonder, you know, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe, maybe that's what they were using for. WWE has so many different things that they need people for that I could totally see guys, you know, that aren't really working out on TV just be used for house show kind of things like that until they work out their character or they work out whatever. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that's what our truth needed. Who knows? I, I don't know. But whatever whatever the case may be, he's he's absolute gold. Him with Carmella is like it's 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 added a new dynamic to Carmella's character. Like I'm surprised that they went so hard with that. Yes. You know, that that was just kind of a funny bit that they did at backstage one time and they leaned really hard into it, but I'm I'm I love it. I love Carmella dyed her hair too. That's awesome. She looks amazing. Yeah, I, I kinda wonder how much input Carmella had on this whole thing, like going in that direction together, because I don't know, like from the stories I heard about her and, and Ellsworth and how all that stuff came about, like she she seems like she gets it and like she really wants to take the wheel and, and steer things in a certain direction when she's yeah. involved. Which is well, and, badass. And, and and if she knows she's not going to be involved in the women's title picture, it's uh-huh. smart to connect with a different story. She instantly became a different character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it it was a great direction to go and and you're right about what you said earlier. <clears throat> the transition the transition from the 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 R Truth segment and everything into a match. It was it was brilliant, Dude, and, and it took up such a long period of time on SmackDown. Yeah, and and a decent match too, and and then like the elements that they worked in to continue the Miz and Daniel Bryan feud, that the like the finishing segment where where Miz was stealing his finisher and doing the yes chance, and they had the the tight camera on both of them, and they just switched back and forth, like. Dude, that that was some magical work there from the production team. I I really enjoyed that. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. That's out, out of all the stuff that's happening in Australia. Like that's the one that's got the most attention from from me personally, uh, and it's because of stuff like that. Well, and it everything else feels like a house show thing, with the exception of Triple H and Undertaker and Daniel Bryan and The Miz. Yeah, I mean, it kind of does. E- even, you know, even like, you know, AJ Styles, Samoa Joe, it's like, are they really going to finish it there? You yeah. Know? Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I mean, Becky yeah, Lynch, I... Charlotte Flair, kind of the same way. Uh, those, those just feel like when you found out that they had a championship match on a house show. Yeah. That's what those feel like. The Miz and Daniel Bryan, that feels big. That has huge implications. I mean, that's going to completely change the direction of the WWE championship picture. And you also know that it's also going to come back around to this feud reigniting when whoever, probably the Miz goes on to beat AJ Styles and wins the championship. And then Daniel Bryan can come take it off of him at WrestleMania. (sighs) And that just makes my nipples hard. Josh. Yeah. I heard you guys talk about that last week. Oh man. You know, and I know, Again, it's 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 a it's a stretch. You don't know if that's going to go that way, but it feels like it's going to go that way. And it feels like it needs that. It feels like The Miz and Daniel Bryan is the best feud in WWE right now. It's the longest running, it's the most personal, it's the one that has the most time invested into it. So it would only make sense for it to involve the WWE Championship. Yep. At, at WrestleMania. Especially when they've had the debacle of not really having people connected with their main event matches at WrestleMania over the past couple of years. Yep. You know, this will, this will bring that connection back. People will be into it 
And who cares if it goes exactly as planned with Daniel Bryan winning again? Let's fucking do that. That I want to see. Hell yeah. <sighs> so I'm kind of looking over my notes on SmackDown, and everything's just ridiculous. Like, um, Randy Orton, for example, like he <laughs> beat the crap out of Ty Dillinger. Is, is he your next vi- victim? He was asked. His response, he just goes, that perfect 10 crap. It just pisses me off. Like, that was his response. That was it. I died laughing at that, too. Um, I, I You died laughing at it. <laughs> How do you think I felt about that? I fucking started doing a 10 chant in my, in my fucking living room. Like, <laughs> Randy Orton's another guy that's hit his fucking stride. Oh. You know, he's a guy that felt like he was going to be useless there. Felt like they were going to just trot him out. And him turning heel. And, like, I don't know. His feelings on it are so, like smarky at times yeah it's and it's perfect it's it's needed it's different somehow it hasn't been done really he's he's just roaming around the smackdown roster like kind of just doing whatever he wants he he doesn't seem to be terribly interested in winning a championship you know he's gonna find no way jose he's gonna find him god (laughs) i hope he goes and just Starts legend killing all the people with fucking lame ass gimmicks <laughs> that are all like based on cr- like fan appreciation and shit. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh. But yeah, SmackDown is doing a stellar job once again with what they have, what they've been given. Um, yeah, and and so like, you know, we've we've talked about it a lot. We've complained about it a lot. Uh, but the whole Becky Lynch thing, I, I think they're, they're doing it very well right now. Um, they're, they're letting her, I don't know, like she, she's acting a heel when she's going up against Charlotte and, and things like that. But when it comes up, you know, like when it comes down to it, like she's, she's not doing that thing they tried to do that one week where she's talking shit to the crowd. You know, she's letting the crowd cheer her, but she's still being a total a-hole about everything. And it, it works again. Like it's stone cold Becky Lynch. She sounded in an interview a little bit bitter about it. And about what the fans still cheering her when really? she's trying to be, well, you think about it. And like, from her perspective, she's purposely trying to get them to boo her and they refuse to do that. You know what I mean? Like, so from her, from her perspective, she's not doing her job. You know, she's told to go out there and be a bad guy and get the crowd to boo her. And the crowd's like, nope, fucking we're, yeah, we love you. Yeah, we're pieces of shit. Yeah, we are. But you know who's not? You. Because we fucking love you. You know, and it's like, I I could see how it would be a little frustrating. But I also see how it would be immensely flattering that the crowd loves you that much that they refuse to go with any kind of, you know, change like that. I, I would I would think that she would get it, though, you know, based on the oh, way I'm the sure story was I, built and the way yeah. that Charlotte's portrayed and all that, you know? It did like, sound like she was angry about it, so maybe, I, I don't know what did I said, bitter, that might be the wrong word, but it okay. just, it definitely sounded like she was a little disappointed, just a little bit, that, like, she tried to go with a heel thing and the fucking fans just cheered right through it, you know? Because, again... That's that's what your your job is to go out there and try to make those people believe that thing that the your boss is telling you to go do. You know, go make the people boo you. And you come back, what happened? I don't know, I tried. Well, they fucking they're cheering you more than they were before. I don't know what the fuck you did, but whatever you did was wrong. You know what I mean? Like you have to feel like you did something wrong because you were like, Wait, what happened? I told them that they were pieces of shit and they were like, Yeah, you know, like I don't know. It's it it 
I could see it as being a little frustrating, you know, but that's the difference I think with someone that's like just such a true face at heart and soul. What she is at her core is a face. It's just like stone cold was, you know, it just took a matter of time for him to get to that point. But it's hard when they try to make you do all of these other things that fans resist because even fans know what you are deep down inside. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, it's why Randy Orton is thriving as a heel. Cause we all know he's a piece of shit. You know, we all know he's a piece of shit. But you know who I found out today is a real piece of shit? Mr. Fuji. What? The shit that I found out, I read in an article today about Mr. Fuji, <laughs> is so unbelievable that it makes Randy Orton look like a goddamn baby angel by comparison. Mr. Fuji had a bit where he would just whip his dick out and piss on your fucking boots underneath the table while you were sitting there talking to him. Whoa. Yeah. Oh, and one time he fed a fucking former tag team partner of his his own dog. Wait, like for real? Like for real, he grinded the dog up and made it into fucking grinded meat and fucking served the dude spaghetti and what then the fucking f- brought him a platter with the dog's head and the fucking platter like some horror is, movie is shit. That, is that where they got the uh, the Al Snow? Uh, was that Al Snow and Big in the Big Boss Man? Is that with Pepper? I, I, I is that where they got that idea? Maybe. Jesus, I, maybe. That is I don't fucked know. up. Yeah. I was horrified reading this. And what's even more horrifying is to read it in text and it's interviews from like old timey wrestlers that were around to experience. And they're just like, yeah, that Mr. Fuji, he loved to rib you. He fed this one dude his dog. It's like, that's not a rib. That (laughs) motherfucker is a psychopath that needed to be locked up for the fucking public safety. He did what? He used to just piss on people's shoes all the time. (laughs) That's amazing. Just, oh, just because it happened a few decades ago doesn't mean that it was okay. Uh, you could say that about other things in our society these days, but I'll leave yes, it at that. Absolutely. Um, uh, Jesus Christ, man. Where do I go I from know, there? I, eating I, a I dog. out of eating a dog? I don't know. Let's just, um, let's just go with it. Uh, yeah. So on Raw... <laughs> Actually, no. I, I, I've got a couple more notes on SmackDown because I really okay, enjoyed please. SmackDown. And that's not yeah. to say I did not enjoy Raw because I actually enjoyed a decent amount of Raw, too. I did um, too. I'm kind of excited to talk about a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, I, I guess I just wanted to make a comment. Um, I, Paige, Paige is looking very well these days. Um, mm-hmm. she, she seems like she's got her shit together, and I'm happy about that. Because, man, like, in the midst of all the Del Rio stuff, like, she kind of seemed a bit troubled and, I don't know, whatever. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. She seems I mean, to it was... bounce back. She's got a, her, her hair looks great. It's phenomenal. Everything she's doing. She looks great. Yeah. And, I, I mean, one of the things I like is that when you see some of these videos from, like, Total Divas or just the girls posting them on Instagram or even on Twitter, there seems to be a common theme where everybody loves to be around Paige. That's cool. And, and and we've seen it on Total Divas before, where she's like seems to be a legitimately down-to-earth, fun person, right? Yeah. So I could totally see how that is. But, I mean, we adored Paige as much as we adore some of the women, you know, that they're now, if not more so. Like, I know Paige was my favorite at one point. So um, there was a legitimate concern. I mean, you can't – there's nothing you can do about it. But to hear her fucking being in this problematic – relationship with del rio where there's a lot of fucking drug abuse and shit like yeah you know i start i started feeling a bit like a parent when it came to Paige and being like well there's nothing i could do to control you but oh oh mia 
you need to get some help. Yep. You need to get away from that boy. That boy is no good for you, you know? And uh, it's crazy. Interestingly enough, I just saw a thing of Del Rio the other day. He's promoting boxing matches now. What the hell? I don't, I don't know what the fuck. He's like the yeah. he's like the guy in the middle of like a weigh-in or you know when they're doing the fucking face-to-face like, you know, weigh-in and and picture taking of them holding their fists up to each other's faces. I, I imagine he's just at that point where he's taken whatever sort of money and bookings he can get because he can't be that hot of a commodity anymore, I imagine. You know, I I I don't even well, fuck him, let's just say, right? But I, I don't even hate on that as much as I used to at one point. You know, there there was a time where I just saw that as being just such a fucking lame move to do with your life where you just, like, I don't know, take fucking autograph signings at, you know, wrestling conventions and comic book conventions and shit like that, right? But mm-hmm. I don't know. I've softened my position on it. I saw the entire office fucking crew that isn't actually working as actors or actresses now just kind of goes around doing that. And it made me sad, but then I was like, eh, get your money. Get yeah. your money, yeah. <laughs> I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I would pay to take pictures with you guys, so I guess I can't shit on that too much. But damn, man, I thought you guys would find some work or something. Anyway. <sighs> um, what else you like on SmackDown? Well, the last thing, and this is kind of a big one. I, I imagine you'll have some thoughts on it. Um, Lana and and Rusev and Aiden English and everything mm. that you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, well, well, first of so, all, wait, wait. Can we first, can we can we start by addressing the rumors? Okay. Um, I don't know. If there is a tape. But. Aiden English says there's a tape. I'm just going to say. Right now. That. If a tape surfaces. And. I am somehow involved. In any way shape or form. It was allowed on my end. What? Well, no, I, that's all I can say. I can't say anything about, like, what went on or what was mutual or not. I can just say on my end, there's, like, a card with five names on it, right? It's in my wallet. It's laminated. Um, and Lana's name Derek. is top of the card. Derek, are we going, are we going here again? Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, so Aiden English has a tape. <laughs> Aiden English has a tape from from that one night in Milwaukee, as he so says. Um, I yeah, man. Confirm not if I've ever been to Milwaukee, Josh. Um, okay. <laughs> if you haven't, you should go. It's it's sort of like a, a smaller version of Chicago. It's fun. I know. I know. I've been there. Okay. Oh. Oh. But yeah, no, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I really, I really kind of hope it's just a good tape of Aiden English banging Shaw Guerrero and him being like, "Yeah, I just wanted to show you guys that." <laughs> Check out my form. Um, in all seriousness, uh, I think this is turning out really well for Aiden English. Um. In in that attack the previous week against Rusev, like he 
he seems to have bulked up a little bit. Like he, he does. Yeah. He's not like the the super skinny guy that you could you know confuse him for not being a wrestler. Um, he used to look like a uh, like a Punch Out character, you know, yeah. like you know Don Flamenco or one of those guys, right? <laughs> like where it was yes. just unbelievable because of how skinny he was that he would also be a boxer. Totally. Yes, that's that's yeah, that's that's what he was. But you're right, he did, and this is great for him. I mean, there was some solid character know. build and like. You know, we're we're seeing like some some real, some real fire in in his promos, and you know, there's something there. I would fucking just totally steal like Marty Skrull's gimmick and give it to him. At this point, is what Ooh. I would do. <laughs> I'd give him round glasses. Ooh. I'd give him a fur coat. I'd fucking have him come out with some fucking hot ass woman. I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd sign Shaw Guerrero and bring her in and have her be his valet or whatever, you know? I mean, I, w- I would fully invest in, in him at this point as, as a full-on hateable heel, you know, and, and let him run with it. He always has been at his core. The Rusev Day thing was the only run where he was face at all, ever. I mean, the VOD villains had kind of a little bit of a short face run where people they were really popular, but they always still were kind of dick and... If anything, it was always Simon Gotch that was kind of the one that was over with the crowd versus Aiden English, you know? Um, That's just because he had a mustache. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, he was always, I don't know, he was always a bit more charismatic. And, well, Aiden English was always intentionally annoying with his bullshit singing, you know? Uh This was the first time that his singing was over, again, with the Rusev Day thing. But, uh, yeah, I think, I, I don't know. I just, I think he has a really unique look. You're right, he bulked up, he looks great. This feud with uh, Rusev could have have a lot of potential, you know. And again, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm fully on this train that WWE seems to be on of of factions and valets and groupings. If you pay attention to Raw, um, I'll give credit where credit's due. Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful.com pointed this out on Twitter. But if you pay attention to Raw, there wasn't a single person that came out by themselves on Raw. Everybody had a significant other oh, or shit. Yeah. significant others with them the entire night. Not a single person was out there by themselves. Huh. So, you know, they're they're investing in this idea, which we've talked about at length on this podcast. We've talked about mixing the big guys with the 205 Live guys and how much we didn't like that they kept them so separate. Dude. We've talked about the use of managers and valets. We've talked about factions and the need of factions forming and how exciting that makes things. Those those you know? those first two things you said, you know, mixing mixing the 205 guys and also managers, we got both of those things with Leo Rush. And fucking hey man like it, it took lashley from being eh, yeah there's lashley to fuck yeah there's lashley you know why because there's leo rush with him and lashley's gonna be you know it, it seems to have ignited something in lashley first of all uh, my man bobby lashley yeah <laughs> and secondly you're just kind of like you're you're kind of waiting for leo to do something you know well i liked i liked that they at least use leo's athleticism with the whole chase yes. scene. And I like the fact that they did it kind of again this week. There's a part of me that's like, all right, don't beat this up too much. Like, yeah. what you is fine because what you've given everybody is a taste for what Leo Rush can do. Now book the tag match with Leo Rush and, and Bobby Lashley versus you so that Leo Rush can shine in that match and look fucking great and uh, they can get the win and that, that'll be the thing that solidifies them. 
I love that combination so much. I can't express how much. I, I always felt like I was kind of rooting for Bobby Lashley. I don't think I ever felt about Bobby Lashley, despite he's in the same category as like Roman Reigns. I never felt like that I didn't want him to succeed. And I always felt like he had more to offer than WWE was using him for over the last four months. This Leo Rush thing, like even before Leo Rush came in, when he was walking around doing the my man thing before Leo Rush came, I was like, oh shit, Bobby Lashley found a character. You know, <laughs> but it was just, it was, uh, that was his introduction for Leo Rush coming. And it wasn't super over the top or anything. It was just this weird change of attitude where he was cocky going around being like, my man, Baron Corbin, ah, going to put me in a match. Every, like, time, every time I hear him say, my man, I always, I always think of Rick and Morty. Yes, the mailman. <laughs> the postal carrier. My man. Disappearing. Um, but yeah. That's, he, that's Bobby Lashley. <laughs> it's it's just so great, man. I mean, it really is. It's He he is exactly what Bobby, Bobby Lashley needed, a mouthpiece. Yeah. You know, when he's like, Bobby Lashley looks like money and he smells like money because he is money. You know, like just fucking lines like that. Yep. That, it's amazing. And not only that, but it just makes sense. It goes perfectly with everything just clicks there. You know, it's it's awesome. I, I really dig it. You know, it, it's kind of like the opposite in a way of the Braun Strowman, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre pairing. And that's not to say it's not working, but it just feels like it's not natural. It doesn't seem to click. And I'll go back and say that even felt the same about Dolphin Drew, right? But what I can say, especially about Dolphin Drew, is all of this has brought the best out in those two guys. Yes. Dolph's segment where he came back and talked, both of those segments where they interacted with Dean backstage were mind-blowingly good. Levels and levels and levels of good that I wouldn't expect out of, uh, especially out of Dolph. Yep. It was it was just a, such a sincere uh well well done promo. It was great. And that that whole story is is kind of cool too cuz it's the sort of thing when you're watching and you just notice it. And the fact that like, you know, these these guys are taking advantage of that and it's it's not over yet, you know. There there was there was some certain hesitation there and, and you just have to wonder what's going to happen. Um, I, I, I didn't not at all mind them throwing in the extra wrinkle Seth Rollins approaching Drew McIntyre either with essentially yeah. the same sort of comment. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I didn't either because we've already we've talked about that. Drew's even said it in interviews that he foresees, you know, him turning on Dolph one of these days or whatever. Right. Yep. So, yeah, it just it just it just reinforced what we thought we were we would see. And it's it's really good. Like, it's. I, yeah, there, there's a lot of interesting character development going on with those guys. Um, beyond that, though, like they're they're putting on just absolutely beautiful wrestling matches too. Like oh. Dol- Dolphin Drew versus the Revival. Holy yeah. crap, man! Yeah. Uh, by the way, I texted I texted Drew last week just to say what a fire ass match. <laughs> like I try not to bother him too much with my fandomness. You yeah. Know? Yeah. But I had to, <laughs> and, and he just—I was like, I just—I was like, that fucking you guys, you guys look like beasts on that on that match on TV, and hope all is well, and blah blah blah. And he just responded with, "Brother," with like 15 R's, and said, "Thank you so much, means the world." But like, 
I meant that. Like, I mean, you know, Drew's Drew has been a presence, right, in WWE. But totally. to be honest, to be honest, his best matches that I saw out of him were prior to coming back to WWE. You know, I, I in NXT he had some good matches, but nothing that was like you know a lot of people talk shit, and I did a lot of defending of him because I love the guy, and I didn't. I thought people were quick to judge. You know, there's they're they're putting him in the same categories like Bobby Roode and other guys that they felt yeah. like were overrated as far as their wrestling skills and such. And Drew lately. You, you can't say that about that. He's on a fucking other level. That that match last week with Dean was outstanding. Oh, outstanding. yeah, that too. Yep. And and the match this week with the tag team match. I, I find it really interesting that they are seemingly making the revival face. Kinda. Like, that's weird. I mean, I don't know if that's just this match or this night. But the way they were talking about them. They weren't talking about them in a negative light. The revival was being referred to as like underdogs. They were referred to as like blue collar, you know, people that blue collar workers can get behind and shit like that. Like it was just, it was subtle things in the commentary that made me wonder if they're going to be turning the revival face. Hmm. You know, I didn't even catch that, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't significant. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't blatant, but it was just enough. Like, talking them up in a positive way and they they didn't do any shit healing against drew and it's true and they Dalton. didn't yeah it no, was just straight was up just competition straight up. right so that that just that that makes me wonder it makes me wonder if they would work out better in that role because especially on raw they are undersized smaller guys that don't really look like they're in the same physical shape as the other you know it was a little different when they were fighting champo and gargana Champa and Gargano, Champa and Gargano, <laughs> Jesus, um, and you know, like even AOP. But when you see them up against Dolph and Drew, they don't they don't look like they're in the same weight class as those. Yeah, guys. Dolph and Drew, or you know, you can you can count the muscles on them. Whereas, you know, the the revival, there's you know, they they like to drink their beer and it shows. Well, and, I'm, and that's not on, and like, that's not a criticism, really. That's just uh, you know, it is what it is. You're, you're right, but that's one thing I thought of when I thought of them, and I thought about that with all of the questioning of Daniel Bryan that I received over the last day when yeah. I was watching this, because I just caught up today myself, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, you know, they have a lot of the same qualities as Daniel Bryan, you know, they're, they're closer to me and how I look and who I am as a person than I am to Dolph or Drew. Um, they're the kind of guy I could get behind because they look like the kind of guys that don't mind having a beer and a steak on the weekends versus working out and, you know, not eating a single carb. They also are technically sound. So they're the type of guys that I would be happy to watch them work because they're workers and yeah. they're mechanics and all of that stuff. So I don't know. I mean, the potential is there possibly for them to be faces. I just don't know if they would do that, if their personalities would work out that way because they were so good at being, you know, dickheads. Honestly, and I love them for it. I really did. Yeah. But the, the, their silence in, in this situation surprised me. Like, there was no banter from them, and that, I don't know, keeping them quiet, that's kind of a face thing a little bit. Uh, they definitely look, though, like the old revival that we've seen. They put on a hell of a match, and uh, that was that was something nice. Raw did a good job this week of their pacing with their matches because it felt like it went pretty quickly because of how long some of some of the matches took and I didn't mind watching those matches. Yeah. Uh last no- note on the revival that I have is I I could totally see them being faces cuz like being a babyface doesn't mean you go out there and you smile and you wave to the crowd 
like Ronda Rousey does. Um, you know, like like the revival. I it kind of makes me think of like like a Brett the Hitman Hart back in the day. Like he was just a guy who went out yeah. there, took care of business, and you cheered him because he was awesome, and he and he yeah. took down like the guys yeah. that you like to boo. And he'd um, high five a kid on his way out, and you're yeah, like, occasionally, Fuck yeah, bro. yeah, occasionally a little high five or whatever. But you know, he's he's not like you know, yeah, he did the sunglass thing too, I guess. But that was about as far as it went. But he was always like he was always so like focused looking when he gave the sunglasses. It was almost like he had to give the sunglasses to a kid because he needed to get them off his head because he had to go fuck somebody up, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like somebody, like somebody in a bar who's about to fight somebody, when they take off their shirt and just kindly hand it to a stranger, can you hold that for me? Thanks. I need to whoop this motherfucker's ass, and then they trot <laughs> off and fight in a bar parking lot. Uh, uh, but yeah, Brett, that was Brett, and you're right. I mean, that they definitely have that quality. They have a stone cold quality about them. You know, they they have that, and and be, yeah. again, again, that's the aggression. That's that. You know, just the, the well, yeah, the the not taking a bullshit from anybody and wanting to fight. Uh-huh. One thing I love about wrestlers is when they give you the feeling that they just love to fight. I love to fight. I'll fight at any time. I'll fight that fucking guy right over there that's looking at me right now if he doesn't stop looking at me. Like that, I love wrestlers that are like that. You know, <laughs> uh, and yeah, you know, Becky Lynch. It's the kind of the same thing, right? Yeah. I mean, it's just that thing of like we don't care what you say. <laughs> Trust me, we're watching what's going on. We appreciate you. You could tell us we're dicks all you want. We're still going to cheer for you, you yeah. know? So, I mean, they don't... Well, and I think that's the problem, right? We've talked about that with when they change heels to uh, do the heel, you know, switch to face. They always have to start saying dumb shit and talking about, like, Hey, Milwaukee, so happy to be here. You know, like, come on, man. You weren't saying that shit last week, and now all of a sudden, because the fans are cheering you, you're like giving shout outs to the city we're in. Come on. You know, like that's, be yourself. Be that laziness there. Yeah. Yeah. It is. You know. But it, it befalls a lot of them, you know. Yeah. Um kind of similar to to all this, like, you know, the the booking of, of these groups coming together. Um I really gotta hand it to the Riot Squad. Um I, I really like the way that they've been put together. I really like the way that they they work together too. Um and this week in particular they had to overcome some unfortunate circumstances in the midst of the match. Uh, it was a little awkward watching it. Um, cause probably like the biggest, the, probably the biggest news story of the week as yeah. far as Rob was concerned. Like, yeah. like the announcers were kind of like taken aback. Like you could tell, like, so, like Vince was talking in their ear and like telling them to change the story as they were talking, um, you know, and address the fact that yes, indeed, you know, she got brought back to the back. Cause it sounded like they were almost trying to avoid even saying that at first. Um, I don't know. It was kind of weird, but like, yeah, uh, Bree with the yes kicks delivered a, a swift kick right to the face of Liv Morgan, uh, instant concussion. You could tell just watching it. It was, it was, it was tough to watch. Um, I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Okay. I have a lot of thoughts on this. Um, because I, <laughs> mostly because I watched that segment, probably that minute of that match 10 times. Oh man. I, I, I okay okay what's it was, it was like a car wreck that I couldn't get enough of watching and the reason why is I just I had to see the way everything went down so my thought and I could be completely wrong about this but if you go back and watch it it looks like Le- Liv hits her head pretty significantly um, when they do the twin magic roll-up move so there was a part of me that wondered if she was already 
seeing a little bit of uh, stars around her head or something. Not maybe, maybe not concussed necessarily. Maybe concussed from that because it really looked like her neck whipped hard and she hit her head. Then when she goes to do the yes kicks, she's rocking back and forth so hard that she's gaining momentum and she's going forward and backwards more with each kick. Yes, I noticed that. No body control. She's supposed to hold herself still. She's yes. supposed to just sit there and take the kicks to her, like, basically, like, square up your shoulders and put your arms out and square your chest across and take them across your chest. She wasn't. She was fucking swaying like a, I, fucking, you know. I like agree entirely. I, I I only watched this a couple times myself. But, yeah, when, when that was happening, like, before she even took that one particular kick to the face, like, she she looked like she was swaying. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah. Something looked wrong already. Yeah. I'm with you. And then, like, <laughs> almost it almost looked like Brie Quarter caught her twice in in the face. Ooh. Like I know she caught her the once really square, but it even looked like she kind of caught her on the one before that. And she wasn't protecting herself at all in that entire sequence. Then you had the weird, the fucking obvious concussed kick out where she could not do anything. Oh man! But my God, when you talk about the effects. Of, of a concussion like that or of getting struck like that, there is no better case than the referee trying to do everything he can to keep Liv out of the match like a few minutes later and just seeing her run right past him and get involved in that in that, oh, that, that spot that where she triple gets suplex thing. The yeah. triple suplex spot. Holy right. shit. I was yeah. shocked. He was trying so hard. Like, I give that ref all the credit. But, I mean, sometimes you need to literally physically restrain somebody. Fuck the fact that you need to be a ref in this match. If you physically restrain her, she wouldn't have been able to do that. He did not. He was like, get down, get down, like, off the apron while she was getting in. He was telling her to, like, get down off the apron, down to the floor. But then he needed to go back and, like, referee that spot. And it's like, dude, that was, for me... People blame people blame everybody in this scenario. For me, the only person I was really mad at was the ref for not fuzzy, fucking literally throwing his arms around Liv and keeping her from being involved in that spot. That's the I mean, they the refs do that in matches all the time, right? It's yeah. not really that uncommon to see a ref like physically grab a person and pull them off somebody else or whatever. So it would have not been that uncommon for him to do that. And I mean, I think everybody watching as a fan would have preferred that they, you know, went with keeping her safe rather than worrying about the show and the live television bit looking right with the referee being over there for the spot. Like you need to do everything you can to protect these fucking people. You know, they're athletes. And just like athletes, they're not going to know when they're concussed. They're not because they're fucking knocked out. They're literally out on their feet, you know. So I don't know, though. A lot, there was a lot of hate thrown Breeze way. And I, I will say that she is not Daniel Bryan. That's the only thing I have to say about those kicks that she does. Yeah. Daniel Bryan knows what the fuck he's doing. I don't know if Bree does because Bree seems to just really be kicking someone in her, in their chest, you know, where Daniel Bryan's looks solid, but it also, you're like that, that looks like it's some sort of magic trick because it looks like he's kicking him so hard, but he's really not hurting them. I don't know how that's possible. Yeah. You know, it's like you, you know, if you if you had to get paired up with Daniel Bryan to take those kicks, you're like, all right, I think I, I could probably handle that. I'm sure he he can he can take me through this. 
Whereas Brie, you'd be like, yeah. But I mean, it's kind of like it's like Shinsuke, right? Shinsuke's entire offense is basically like knee into your face related. Uh, But that's not an easy offense to master because you can't. It's not easy to master that to make it look real while also not hurting that you're doing and and Shinsuke is a fucking master at it but it's because of the way that he knows how to do it properly you couldn't just have somebody else come up and take three months of lessons from him and then start having them kinshasing people to the fucking back of the head they're probably going to knock somebody out you yeah. know and I kind of feel this I, I feel people's frustrations about Brie but I also don't blame it on her 100% no. I think a lot of it more had to do with Liv's you know Liv's Live protecting herself in that spot. That's Liv the big thing. And the ref guys. and Bree and there's there's a little bit of everything going on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I don't know. Some people just really like to just point the fingers, especially you know when it comes to the Bella twins. Like it's easy to talk shit about them, and I've I for one have have tried to defend them a fair bit on this podcast. Um, and and I I really think they've progressed a crap ton. If you look at the Bellas now versus the Bellas ten years ago. Um, it's it's a very different story. Were they around ten years ago? Some, somewhere yeah. around there. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, and like I don't know. It's like the, Jeff Jarrett put a statement out talking about it because everybody's got to get their two cents in. But he he said accidents can happen. If it's a consistent pattern, then we've got a problem. You know, and, and that's kind of the way I look at it. It's like yeah. has Bree been like injuring people right and left? Like no. I mean she she had a couple sloppy things where she put herself in harm's way. Um, but you know, that's kind of like, you know, she's, she's coming back from her pregnancy thing and she's kind of, you know, trying to figure out what she can do. And I, I don't think this was a case of, of her being, you know, dangerous or neglectful <laughs> or anything. Well, uh, let's be honest. The belt, it's what you said, hit the nail on the head. The Bella twins have never been great at wrestling. So it's like now they're really trying to go hard in the paint and they've got something to prove, you know? And, right, but and they're, they're not they're capable but, of a fair bit, but correct. You know. But but they're not. They're going hard. Like Bree is going. Bree thinks she's Daniel, and Bree thinks she can like do Daniel's move set now, and she can do all of the stuff, and she can't. But you know why? Because Daniel's a very talented person that is is a is, is a rare talent. That that's why you don't see a lot of people. That are like Daniel Bryan. That's why someone like Johnny Gargano, that's also an established fantastic talent, draws comparisons to him because they're not common. It's not common to wrestle that way. And it's not wrestle it's not common to wrestle that way successfully, where you don't hurt yourself or somebody else, because it's a seemingly reckless style. You know? Daniel Bryan at his best is a little wild Tasmanian devil fucking spinning around in a tiny tornado kicking people in the face, you know? And it's like, it's, it's not something everybody can do. And yeah. that, I think that's the biggest problem is that Brie is trying too hard to be a female version of Daniel Bryan. Just like Nikki was trying to be a female version of John Cena yeah. with her finisher and everything yeah. she was doing. It was like, she was trying to do the same moveset in a, she was trying to be a John Cena female version, you know, like that's, that's the problem. Be yourself. Don't try to be, Especially like one of the best wrestlers in the world. Don't try to be them because you're probably never going to be. Yeah. Stop with the suicide dives and the fucking kicks to the chest if you don't know what you're doing. You know. But yeah, I agree with what you're saying. Everybody, it's going to happen. People are going to get hurt, and 
it's weird how they always blame the person that hurt the other person. And then I find myself in a lot of scenarios when I watch it a bunch, blaming the victim a little bit, you know, yeah. blaming the person that got hurt. It was like it's, when, uh, it's when a two Seth, per- oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say when Seth hurt Finn Balor. Yeah. The outside. Yeah. I would, I was a staunch believer that it was Finn's fault. And people were like, how are you such a monster blaming the guy that got hurt? It's like, well, because Finn turned around and he didn't trust Seth to do the it's, move correctly. It's because he hit it awkward. It's because they're not fighting. It's it's like a dance, and you know something happened between the two of them. And like in a dance, like if somebody gets injured dancing, more often than not, it's gonna be the person who got, got hurt. It was yeah, it was they, they did something wrong, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, but it's unfortunate. You know, it sucks. Yeah. It, it, it's weird the scrutiny that Brie came under, considering that this does happen to men all the time, and nobody seems to have as much of a problem with it when it happens to men. But you know, whatever, man, it's wrestling. You know, it, that's all you can say about it. It sucks. It's it sucks that it happened, but it's wrestling. Yep. <sighs> um. Oh, one last thing I have. Otherwise, I'm pretty much done. Um. Chad Gable and Bobby Roode. I'm really, really liking it. Like, this, and I think we talked about it a couple weeks ago, and I think you guys did last week as well, but, like, I just really got to drive it home. Like, this this feels like Gable and Jordan back in NXT. Gable and Roode, it's got the same damn feeling, and it's really cool, and it's really fun, and they're they're doing a great job with it, I think. And I think it's good for both of them, too, because, frankly, Bobby Roode was getting kind of stale. Absolutely. To everything you said. I mean, it, it's, it even makes more sense now. Because when Jordan joined Gable, it was like Gabe, Jordan wasn't really that much of a, like a legend or anything for him to be that excited about wrestling with. You know, the whole story was him bugging him to be his partner for like weeks before Jordan finally let him. This feels more like that because Bobby Roode kind of is a legend in wrestling compared to Chad Gable's status, you know? Bobby Roode's been an established star for years and years and years. So this whole thing just feels perfect. And uh, aside from the fact that it was really awkward with how many times they said Connor's name on a night where they kept talking about Connor's cure. um, (laughs) I did not put that together, but yeah. Oh, my God. For me, it got so – because it was almost like they were like, Connor, Connor, here comes Connor again. Connor and it's like they just said his name I'm like you guys said his name more times tonight than you've said in the collective history of Raw as a whole <laughs> I feel like I do not know why it stuck out so much but it maybe is because they did that whole Connor's cure you know segment in the middle of the ring and yep. it just really it was really weird but nice like I don't know I don't know how to say stuff about things like that because it's not that I don't appreciate it, and it was really cool for those kids to get those belts, and the little girl was crying, and oh, all all the feels. But I, I can't help but also feel like you're really trotting some kids out there that beat cancer to like you know promote your thing. Like I don't know this this seems like the kind of thing that should be done in a video package and not live in the middle of the ring. But whatever, who am I to you know judge that kind of thing anyway? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the the Chad going back to Chad Gable and and um, and. Bobby Rude. It's just amazing, man. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I don't know where it's going to go, um, but it it's going to be... Um, it's, 
Like I, I, I've had all sorts of dreams and aspirations for where this could go. I mean, part of me wants them to stay together forever. Part of me wants, you know, I know Jason Jordan probably is never coming back, but I mean, like, ah, oh, if Jason Jordan came back and they signed James Storm and then they had a feud against each other, <laughs> I heard that. Just... I was like, oh god, Derek's fantasy booking. I am fantasy booking <laughs> the shit out of this, but you know, it's just because I love it so much. You know, uh... I really do. I think it's great. And you're right; it was just good for both guys. Yeah. All right. Um, I think next week we'll we'll talk more about the the Australian show and kind of get into how that's all come together and do a little bit of preview and predictions and all that jazz. Um, but yeah, I think I'm about good for this week. You want to do uh, winners of the week? Yes. Why don't you go ahead and start off? Damn it. Um, <laughs> you know what? No, I will start <laughs> off. I'm going to give my winner of the week to Daniel Bryan. Because he literally, for me, is my... I, I feel like the winner of the week for meeting him. You know? Okay. And I know that's cheesy, but... Um, there's just something about that guy. Everything that happened. Um, the the storyline that I laid out. Yeah. You know, I just... Uh, it, 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 I mean, he, he's still, even in a segment like he was involved in this week, he still just happens to just be adorably charming. And, and amazing in, in anything he's asked to do um, because he's just such an authentic person. I, I think that just was further confirmed for me in seeing him interact in, in normal life with people that aren't wrestling fans. You know, you, you when we go see people, wrestlers, it's usually around wrestling fans. It's at some sort of signing or convention or wrestling show. To see him around, like, non-wrestling fans and people that aren't, like, geeking out about him and just kind of seeing him in, like kind of a normal life where nobody's like like you know kind of worshiping him yeah it, it was something except else, for you, you know? except for me <laughs> yeah videotaping it like, i got time. this one guy over here yeah he's filming me the whole time this fucking creep <laughs> uh um well i i'm gonna go sort of related because they they shared a fair bit of screen time but uh our truth just for entertaining the shit out of me this week Good on you, R-Truth. This, this might be your only opportunity for winner of the week. Wow. I, I don't know when else that's ever going to happen. I don't know, man. I mean, I've, I've done Randy Orton a couple times now. <laughs> so anything's possible. But, yeah, R-Truth, man. Getting that uh, home home studio money. <laughs> that home studio money is important. Uh, uh, you know, it's just so crazy, right? As uh, I, I know, we've talked about it before, but I, I don't know. I've, I've I've had a lot of questions lately about really what merits success. You know, and it's like cash, does... money, and hoes. What? Oh, Josh, you fucking nailed it. I. What else can I say but that? That was that was perfect. You summed it up so beautifully. Cash, cash, money, and hose. So cash and money twice, and hose. And that's I'm writing that down. Cash, money, and hose. I thought cash money was one thing. Oh, that's just cash money. So just two things technically. Yeah, pretty much. Just cash money and hose. Got it. Put that on a shirt. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 350 of the Steel Cage. We are all about cash money and hoes here. You can get us on Twitter. I am at cap underscore caveman with a K. He doesn't want me to tell you this, but you can find Josh at Schlizag. But of course, all roads lead to at the Steel Cage. Also, follow at Guitar Salad. 
uh, send us an email to podcast at the steel cage and we will be happy to read it. Uh, check out our store. It's the steel cage shop.com and our shirts. Once again, are the absolute king of soft style. You can ask Daniel Bryan. He's got one now. So ask him. He'll confirm king of soft style. Um, as far as plugs go, we had an absolute blast this week eating pumpkin pie, perfect bars over on the snack podcast. Um, what about Greg's 40 for 40, Josh? Uh, and this week is number 21, The Godfather, which is... Um, I think I'm going to revisit both The Godfather and The Godfather Part 2 because I'm going to Italy for my, my honeymoon. Actually, I, here's a here's a, something. I actually haven't seen Part 2, so I'm going to rewatch the first oh, one so that I can watch Part wow. 2. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. I know. Um, um, yeah, over I, at- love, I love The Godfather, by the way. It's... I constantly reference its ending um, more, I think, more than any other metaphor ever because I always talk about, like, people, I want people to be taken out like the end of Godfather <laughs> in all sorts of scenarios. So. Sure. Um, uh, last plug that I have is Captain Jack. Uh, he's got his Battle of Los Angeles wrap-up episode dropping tomorrow, so I think that'll be out a little bit after this episode. I am so excited to go see PWG at the Globe Theater one of these days. Me too. I really am. It looks like a cool venue. Um, I think everybody has fully adapted to leaving Reseda, and I am okay with that. Air conditioning and hot dogs? Sign me up. Oh, yeah, they sell hot dogs at the Globe during the show. That's fantastic. Um, oh, yes. There was Yeah, there was never any food at, mm-hmm. at the... Uh, yeah. Nope. There, there nope. was... Unless- yeah, there was uh, going going over to the uh, the CVS and and buying something and eating it in the parking lot. Not dare bring it inside. Yeah, or there was a taco truck that would pop outside at night over there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and there was always the warm gummies in my pocket. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. Be careful. Only take one of those. Thank you guys so much for listening to episode 350 of the Steel Cage Podcast. And remember, kids, as far as taking my soul, I sold that a long time ago. Yeah, you push me to the I'm glad we didn't talk about that at all. <laughs> I know. Barf. Like, I, I, like a part of me is like, yeah, whatever, it's happening, and you guys are putting a lot of investment into it. But then I'm like, it's weird because it. Uh, we should have podcasted just this, but like, it feels like a Saudi prince is gonna rape the WWE, right? That's what it feels like. It feels like WWE is selling themselves when they go to these countries and they're like, yep, we're going to dig out The Undertaker and Triple H for you to bang because you guys have enough money. Like, I don't know. There's just some weird thing about them just bending over and doing that when they wouldn't even do that for themselves at like a WrestleMania. 
You know yep. what I mean? Like, yep. you're not even going to bust that out for WrestleMania, but you're going to pull it out for the crown jewel or whatever the fuck. Get out of here, you know. Crown the Australian jewel. one. You know You know what I realized is they're doing, they're going to have fucking eight WrestleManias per year is what they're going to have. They're going to have the four majors, and then they're going to have four other WrestleMania-sized events in other countries every year. Yeah. So they're going to have eight WrestleManias a year is what they're that'll, that'll be the way they work in london you know china's gonna get in on that yep. oh fuck yeah and then eventually what it'll be is then wrestlemania is gonna have to be even bigger so then i'll start having wrestlemania in two locations on the same day it'll going, be in new going, york and la going back to the beginning man yep I think Ex- except gonna it's it. gonna be a 24 hour event or two days oh 48 hours okay well, you know, I mean, like, not, like, going overnight, but, like, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, I, I, I went like, overnight. Like, yeah, no, you're talking about, like, insanity. I'm talking, <laughs> I don't think they're going to go, I don't think they're going to make people sleep in a stadium. But. We have Rusev and Aiden English coming up at the 3.15 a.m. <laughs> time slot. Oh, my God. So I slept by a popcorn stand <laughs> for, like, 45 minutes, <laughs> but then uh, somebody robbed me while I was asleep. It's like, uh, it's, it'll turn into like one of those music festivals where you're camping and everything, but like, they're not even going to bother stop in the middle, to stop in the middle of the night. WrestleMania is going to be Coachella. (laughs) God. It sounds terrible. Coachella with all wrestling fans. Oh my God. They're going to be even stinkier (laughs) than they normally are. Holy shit. See, this, this is podcast gold right here. We wasted this. All right. Save it for next week. (laughs) 